Welcome to the Sick and Successful Podcast, hosted by Shalinda Kirby, a cervical cancer survivor, and Natalie Supes, a Crohn's warrior since 2007. Our goal is to give you proof that it's not only possible to be sick and successful, but it's possible for you. Dream big and tune in. You can also follow us on Instagram at sickandsuccessful underscore. Here are your hosts. Today, we are lucky to be joined by Brooke Van Rysel. She is a very successful uh, business owner here in Winnipeg, and uh, we have the pleasure of actually just joining her in her studio, My Body Winnipeg. Woo! Yes. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yes, Brooke. Thank you so much for joining us. So we do a speed round to get things going, just to kind of loosen up uh, all the kinks and stuff like that. So with the speed round, the first question is, tell us where you're from. I'm from Winnipeg, Manitoba, born and raised. Born and raised. What was it? What was it like growing up in Winnipeg for those people who maybe aren't uh, from here? Oh, you know, it's good. Like our winters are intense, but I mean, the people really save it, and uh, you know, there's stuff to do in the winter. And you know, we had some tough times with my family, but I mean, overall, growing up here, it's good. I wouldn't trade it. I've lived in other cities, and I always want to come back. So, so you have kind of moved around then? A little bit, not much. Mostly within Winnipeg, and then I spent a year living in, well, just over a year living in Vancouver, and that's when things took a turn. We'll get to that. Were you were you planning on coming back? Like when you moved, did you plan to come back to Winnipeg, or was it like I'm out of here and then you came back? No, yeah, I was planning on coming back yeah. for sure. Yeah, I knew that because I just went out there for school, and then uh, I knew no, I'm going to come back because my mm. family was here. Uh, my now husband was fiance at the time was here. So, you know, it was always the plan to come back. Number two on the speed round. What is your sickness? I mean, for me, it's it's so tough because I've never really considered it to be a sickness, but it's kind of been an acceptance process for me over the past year. It's just dealing with chronic pain. Um, So I, my chronic pain is as a result of an accident that happened a little over two years ago. And uh, yeah, I just got diagnosed as chronic oof, within the last year ish. So yeah, just pain every day. <laughs> yeah, so you, well, you don't need to say much <laughs> yeah. more than that. Yeah. Yeah. I think most people to understand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think that I, chronic illness and, and pain have been brought to the spotlight more recent in, in you know, a lot of you'll, you'll hear celebrities talk about their struggles mm-hmm. with chronic pain. Um, and so I think that it's something that a lot of people are learning about and mm-hmm. also, you know, coming to acknowledge the fact that, yes, this is a sickness yeah. and it's okay to feel that way. Mm-hmm. And it, that it affects more than just your body. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We'll get to that in just a, a bit. What is something that you do daily to make you successful? Oh, man. Um, I would say I make a lot of lists. That's the thing I do a lot. I make a lot of lists so I know what's happening at any given time. <laughs> because if you're not organized, you're going to miss things. And uh, so I would say that. And then just keeping myself in check and making sure that I'm giving myself enough rest. That's a goal that I've made for myself this year is that uh, I need to learn to say no more. And uh, making sure that I've delegated enough to people that I trust and uh, to be able to do what I can do best and know that I don't have to do everything. I love that. A big thing that gave me power was just changing the way, like saying no was bad, Mm -hmm. but saying no to someone is saying yes to yourself. And it's so beautiful when you can say no and feel good about it and not just be, you know, mad at yourself that you're not having FOMO. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Because it's hard to go and fall into that rabbit hole of, of, yeah, fear of missing out. Yes. 
you know, yeah. Okay, so we're going to get into your story now that we've got those speed round questions out of the way. And uh, we're going to touch on how you came to, I guess, acknowledge or uh, deal with the fact that you have chronic pain. Uh, maybe tell us a bit about, you mentioned an accident mm-hmm. that happened. And so I would imagine that's kind of where your story begins. Yeah. But you start wherever you want to start <laughs> in, in your story. Yeah. So that's kind of basically where, where it all began. Because prior to this, prior to the accident, I didn't really suffer from a lot of, I didn't suffer from any chronic pain at all. Um, I would go day to day life. I was very active. I, you know, nourished my body. I took care of myself. Um, I had recovered from an eating disorder and I was stronger than I ever had been in my mind. And, uh, I moved to Vancouver. So I planned on living there for the duration of the program that I was taking. I was, uh, taking school for holistic nutrition and, uh, with the plan was come back to Winnipeg and open my body. And uh, I wanted to gain a little bit of knowledge before that. As a personal trainer and group fitness instructor, I wanted to have a nutrition component. And then I wanted to add to the education that I was receiving through um, uh, self-education. So books like Health at Every Size and all those kinds of things to build what would become my body. While I was out there going to school, it was May of uh, 2017. 2017. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, May of 2017 uh, was when the accident happened. I was driving to work, so I was teaching at a group fitness gym out there at the time. It's about 5.30 in the morning. I was entering into an intersection, and the light was green, like, before I even got into the intersection. And I looked around. There was, like, no cars, but my light was green, so I kept going. And uh, someone just went straight through the red light, full speed, didn't even look, obviously just weren't paying attention, thought it was early, and they could just do what they wanted. Um, hit me on the driver's side. And then as a result, my car was thrown into a lamppost. So I actually had two impacts. So I had the um, T-bone on the driver's side and then the front of my car ramped straight into a pole. So I had the side to side and the front to back. So full 360 whiplash. (laughs) Yeah. So obviously an accident itself, I'd never been in one that bad before. Very traumatic in that entire situation. Um, But... uh, you know, kind of shortening the story. Obviously, afterwards, the accident, it was very, you know, traumatic and all that. There's glass everywhere. There's blood. There's, you don't know what's hurt. You don't know what's not hurt. Um, And then, you know, I'm like getting out of my car. Well, actually, three people pulled me out of my car, but (laughs) uh, out of the passenger side. And then I would like started doing like a full body scan. Like I literally like grabbed and like touched my head and was like touching every part of my face and my arms and my legs and everything. I'm like, okay, do I have all my limbs? Is everything still here? What's broken? What's bleeding? Are we good? And, uh, and I'm like, okay, like I'm alive. We're all good. Like everything's fine. And then I ended up sitting on the, like in the ambulance and the guy was asking me like a billion questions. And I guess I was like, Oh, something kind of hurts because shock is like the weirdest thing. It just, your body protects you so much from everything that's happening that you don't even realize and you don't feel pain really. So like I had my hand under my leg and I was like, oh, something kind of hurts. And I picked my hand up and it was covered in blood. And I was like, ah, something's wrong. (laughs) But anyways, long story short, I was able to get back to my apartment. My my aunt who lived out there uh, was able to pick me up and uh, take me back to my apartment. But from then on, like everything, everything changed. Everything was different about my life out there. And then now it changed my life forever. Uh, I kind of, in the beginning, I thought I'm like, okay, like this is, 
painful. It's going to be muscular pain, like with a lot of soft tissue damage, severe, severe whiplash, no bones broken, despite like one day my leg like swelled up twice its size and it was full of fluid and I had to go to the hospital, but uh, nothing was broken, but I couldn't walk more than like half a block for the first nine weeks of my recovery. So I was like, I couldn't do anything. Couldn't go anywhere. If I, I wanted to go to school, I was very determined to finish this off and not stretch it out anymore. So it was basically my every day was wake up in the morning, try and get myself ready as best as I could. <clears throat> For the first couple of weeks, my mom came out and then my partner came out and like they had to do everything for me. They had to like help me shower. They had to like cook for me, like clean everything, um, do all the things. And uh, after that, my life was just get up, wait for your taxi downstairs, take your taxi to school and then go to school sit, try and suffer through the entire day, like just sitting. Everyone would go for walks and get lunch. I'd have to sit there and not go anywhere. So I'm like, I can't do anything. I can't go anywhere. So I'd just sit there by myself and then take my cab to my physiotherapist, take the cab from the physiotherapist to the Cairo and then go home. So it's by myself, like a lot. <laughs> yeah. What was that like? I want to talk about that for yeah. a sec because Obviously, um, and, and you mentioned it, like you alluded to this earlier, but like sometimes, you know, some people's injuries go beyond just physical, right? Mm -hmm. And, and I think that the impact in this situation probably started to affect you mentally as well and your mental health. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say it was about like two or so weeks in, um, I reached this like crazy dark period. I was so deeply depressed and so frustrated. Everyone who had been helping me had left and because they have to go back to their lives and, and their jobs and stuff. And, uh, oh, yeah, it was just, I went to a full, full dark place where, like, oh, there's nothing that I can, there's nothing I can do. I can't do anything for myself anymore. Like, this is the end. Like, I was feeling terrible and super self-conscious of my body. Like, everything was coming back up again. Mm. I'm like, oh, I'm going backwards. Like, I'm going backwards to where I was and who I was before. I hate this. And it's worse. Um, and then I just kind of thought to myself, you know, kind of hit me. I was like sitting in front of the mirror on my bed and just I'm like, some people feel like this every single day, like with their bodies. So the interesting thing was in that dark, dark moment was really where my body, what if I came to true light? So I, it, out of that horrible darkness came the idea that, you know what, if I'm going to create a group fitness gym, it has to be a place where everyone is welcome. Everyone is accommodated and nobody feels like garbage about their body. I have to change what we do in this industry. So as much as it was like horrifying in that moment from then, I actually was able to gain a little bit of motivation for something that would also change my life in the end was creating this business and building that. So do you think that if that incident didn't happen, what would my body look like? What would be the differences? What did it teach you? I don't know. I think, I feel like it would have taken a very similar shape to this, mm -hmm. but, um, because I had it in mind to do it very differently, but it caused me to do even more research, um, after that. So I think it wouldn't be the full version that it is. And I think for me, a part of me is really grateful for that, that darkness, but I mean, I'm not going to say that it was just like one depressing day and then it never happened again. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, like the journey through, after like fast forward, coming back to trying to open the business and looking for locations, I came back um, 
at the end of August, at the end of that year, and was hoping to open the business and open the physical space in January. But there was no way I could have physically been able to do that. So I had to push back my opening date to October 2018 um, in order to be able to physically be able to do my job. And then once I opened my first month, um, everything's just going 100 miles a minute, right? Like you're like, I was just all in. I'm like, okay, this all the time, all the time. Completely forgot to take care of myself. Mm, it was like yeah. six weeks in and I'm like, oh my God, I haven't had a massage. I haven't gone for my Cairo. I haven't gone for my physio. What am I doing? And my body told me before I could even realize what was happening. So you're just running on adrenaline. And I like, I kind of was standing and after teaching morning classes and all of a sudden I just kind of wobbled because I have like crazy SI pain and my hips are all out. And then I just like came and like fell down onto the ground and then I was on the ground and I'm like, I literally can't get up. Okay. <laughs> so I had to like call my husband at work and be like, you need to come help me get off the ground. And he was like, wait, what? Like, are you okay? What's going on? And uh, so he had to actually help me get up. And then there was no one who could cover the afternoon. So at that time I didn't have the staff that I have now and I just had to figure it out <laughs> and somehow keep teaching. And uh, that's a common rotation here. Sometimes I'll have a really bad pain week and uh, a really bad pain day or month or whatever it ends up being. And uh, I have to figure it out. And it's been great because I've been able to delegate a little bit more now. But um, yeah, trying to figure out that balance and the limitations having such a physical job has been really taxing on my body, but also on my mental health too. Because yeah. you get in your head, you say, you know what, I'm like, I can't do this. Like what's wrong with me? And you get that deep like darkness. And like, once it kind of occurred to me that I was like, huh, this is chronic. This is, this is my body for the rest of my life. And more and more things just kind of kept coming up. Everything was different. I got like a minor bout of food poisoning at the beginning of September. And I realized I'm like, Oh, I haven't actually vomited since my accident happened. So I don't know how my body's going to react to this. And sure enough, I developed a hiatal hernia because of it. Wow. Because my spine is so compromised and my ribs were so compromised that there was nothing to hold my stomach in place. So it just went up. Mm. And thankfully, I was I have awesome practitioners. So like my chiropractor was able to kind of readjust it and get it back down. But that is now something that I have to deal with and I have to be mindful of in addition to everything else. So it's it has not been smooth sailing and it's so frustrating because for me, I put everyone else first and what building this business, being someone who suffers from chronic pain has taught me is really how important it is to delegate because if you don't have your health, your mental health, your physical health, your emotional health, you literally have nothing. That, that literally just answers a question I was about to ask you <laughs> is what, what advice would you give to someone who's mm -hmm. struggling with any type of illness, any type of pain, and they have this big audacious dream and it's mm -hmm. so far in the future and they just... They're sitting there thinking, why me? Like, this is not fair. It hurts. I can't do it. Mm -hmm. What? I would say, like, you can. You can do it. It is, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's going to be really hard. And you're going to want to give up. There's been so many friggin' times where I'm like, well, I have to give up. Like, I can't do Same. it. Same. <laughs> like, I'm like, there's no way that I'm going to be able to do this. I want to give up. Like, I want to, like, give up on the business. I want to give up on living. Like, all of those things. And uh, so the advice that I would give is like, find your people, find your support and take care of yourself first. 
be selfish when you need to. And being selfish is often viewed as something that is a negative thing. It's often viewed as meaning that if you're being selfish, you're not bringing anyone else into mind. But you are. You are putting yourself first so you can be of service to everyone else. So I would say to the person who wants to do it, believe that you can, know that you can, know that it's not going to be easy, but make sure that you put all of those supports in place. And by supports, I mean people that you can delegate to, your staff, uh, health practitioners, whatever that looks like for you, chiropractics, doctors, um, therapists, anything like that. Um, put those people in place and have them set up kind of like your little team behind you and know that you have those people that you can rely on. It doesn't mean that you can't do it. It just means you need some help and it's okay to ask for help. I've always said that, uh, like you yourself, I, I always look at myself as a teacup. Okay. <laughs> okay. I am full of wonderful tasting tea. Okay. I can't give any tea if my cup isn't full. Mm -hmm. And so that's a great way of putting it. You know, if you don't take care of yourself, then realistically you can't take care of anything else in your, in your life. Yeah. And you know, it's like a domino effect. Mm -hmm. So it all stems back to you and you need to listen to yourself and listen to your body as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, that's been a really hard for, thing for me too. Cause I'm very much like, uh, in addition to like my own pain, I'm like, give me your pain. I'll take it. I'll mm -hmm. take it on for you. Don't worry. Like, I don't want you to have to deal with that. Let me do it for you. Right. I have always been that person who's just like, okay, I'm going to take it all on. Even if it breaks me, I will set myself on fire to keep you warm. And I, this has been a huge learning experience for me and dealing and living with chronic pain, I think has helped me grow in that way to realize that me behaving in that way and me treating myself that way is not going to help anybody mm -hmm. and it's just going to be harmful and it's going to cause me harm physically and mentally and emotionally and it's not going to allow me to accomplish what I want to accomplish. Thank you so much for saying that. That's It's crazy how many people, like moms, mm -hmm. they're, they're chronically sick, they're chronically in pain, they're, you know, for me, Crohn's in the bathroom all the time, and, but their main priority is their kids, mm -hmm. of course. But their kids can't get any love or anything if they're not there, if they can't focus on them. So, like, yeah. it's so cool for you to say that. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and it's it also kind of brings light to the situation that, you know, how systemically in our society there's there needs to be a change, I think. Because, yeah, moms, you know, as you put as that example, they put their kids first and, you know, don't take care of themselves as much. And a lot of the times it's because there is no option for them. Right. Totally. They can't afford the therapies that they need. They don't have the facility to be able to go and do those things. They don't have the option to be able to take care of themselves. So that really sheds light on where we need to go as a society with our healthcare system. Yeah. Well. And to pay for the Cairo and the physio mm -hmm. and never mind, like in Canada, at least that's all we have to pay yeah. for. But in the mm -hmm. States, like, Oh gosh. Whew. Well, like yeah, if you don't have again. health insurance there, you're, Bankrupt. Yeah, you're yeah. Like how many people don't go and don't get the help that they need because they're like, well, I can't afford it. Yeah. Well, and just think of how many illnesses and sicknesses are undiagnosed, you know, mm -hmm. because people just don't have the same resources. So yeah, exactly. we have to be very thankful for, you know, mm -hmm. some of the ones that we do have yeah. access well, to. Well, and even here in Canada too, like, you know, a lot of things we are so fortunate to have, but a lot of people don't have health insurance. Like they don't have coverage for things through yeah. a partner's work or through their own work or whatever. Um, they don't have those things. 
so um, yeah, it, it really shows you kind of where we need to go. Yeah. So when you started to recognize the pain associated with the aftermath of your accident, is that when you got, I guess, diagnosed with chronic pain or like, how did you find out, I guess, is, is more my interest. And, and then how did you learn how to deal with that pain? Yeah, I think it was about a year in we had had, like, I still needed my therapies and I had a discussion with my lawyers and they said, Hey, you know, like it's been a year since the accident and you know, how are things going? And I was like, things are the same. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. It's still awful. <laughs> and then uh, I was able to get in for a doctor's appointment. And so obviously they were like, yeah, we're not going to settle now with the insurance company because you're, you still need all the things. So um, I went to the doctor and then he asked me how long the pain had been persisting on. And he said, he's like, Oh, okay. So chronic. And I was like, sorry, what? It was just like a very like boop, 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 passing, right. passing thing. I was like so chronic and, and being someone who's like, I know what that word means. Like I've been trained as a, uh, you know, as a health and fitness instructor. So I know what chronic versus acute uh, pain and injury means. So he said, he's like, oh, okay, so chronic. And I was like, chronic as in like for like the next little bit or what? <laughs> <laughs> like what's the timeline yeah, we're looking like, at, dog? And then he, he's, like, he's like, oh, you know, probably in some way, shape or form, this will exist for the remainder of your life. And I was like, oh, oh God. <laughs> yeah. Like just like hands How was to that chest. feeling? Like we just, talk a lot about it that in our podcast oh. is finding out the moment that you are, I guess that diagnosis. Yeah. It was just kind of like hand to chest. Like it just all came crashing down on me. Um, just this wave of like depression and anxiety of like, Oh my God, this is my life now. This isn't just like, Oh, I'm almost done recovering from my accident. Now it's like, no, this is just how my body is now. And that was a huge mental shift and a huge change for me. And yeah, like I remember coming home to my husband and being like, Oh yeah, like this is, this is just me now this is who I'm going to be. And like knowing how much that would change his life too, because on the weeks that weeks or months or days that I, my pain is really, really bad. Like he is responsible for everything, including taking care of me. So I'm just on the couch. He's bringing me ice packs and like all the things and cooking for us and cleaning and going to get me things and running around and picking up things I couldn't pick up. And coming here, like even here in the studio, like I can't vacuum the studio more than like, I don't know, more than half of it without my back and my hip giving out. So I have to get other people to do that, whether that's my staff, whether that's uh, my husband coming to do it. So for me, it was, yes, this, this is my life now. And that kind of depression came over me, but also how is this going to affect the people around me that came in just as quickly. And how, how, as somebody you described yourself as, you know, you take on other people's, you know, mm-hmm. stuff, how is that like for you learning to tell people, listen, I'm dealing with something, mm-hmm. I got something going on and right. I can't be the full capacity of myself. Yeah. I'm still learning that. Yeah. I'm still trying to figure that out because I feel like I still have a hard time because I'm always going to say like, <clears throat> oh yeah, I'm, you know, I have this, but like, it's not as bad as that. You know, or it's not, it's not as bad as it could be. Or like, I'm fine. I'm that, surviving. It's like, oh yeah. yeah. That's you what know? Natalie said to when All we were time. talking I used about to always say, cancer. Oh, it's not cancer. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then I had cancer. So it was kind of like funny because like I had, you know, the worst case scenario, but like I had nothing to compare it to. So I get how you feel. I get that. And it's just, I'm like with all of the other stuff that's going on in the world and what people have to deal with every Mm -hmm. single day, I'm like, I'm fine. Like everything is fine. Until it's not. Until it's not. Right. (laughs) But then, so for me, the struggle has been validating my own feelings and kind of stepping outside of myself, you know, acknowledging the fact that I am a person who exists in a body and as a human of extreme privilege in many, many ways, but also acknowledging that my feelings and my pain is still valid. Um, And I can still live with that acknowledgement of privilege, but move forward knowing that I'm going to need help sometimes and my pain is real and I'm allowed to, you know, say no. I'm allowed to tell people that, hey, I need your help today. I can't do this. I am not my full self today. I've done that many times in class where I'm like, guys, today is terrible. Um, I'm not going to be able to do all of the things that I normally do. Just a heads up. And I mean, our people here are amazing, so they get it. But other places, you know, people might not get it. You mentioned earlier on that you struggled with uh, eating disorder. Mm. How did that play in once you started having a lot of pain and even when you were diagnosed with chronic pain? I know a lot of people suffering with, you know, chronic illnesses, be it cancer, Crohn's, pain. Um, it kind of comes back because they can't move or they're, you know, maybe a bad relationship with food for me, like whatever I ate would come back up eat without wanting to <laughs> do that on purpose. But what happened for you? Yeah, for me, it basically just um, was, it came up in my body image experience and then, yeah, my relationship with food. But because I was so immobile for a very long time, of course, my body started to change as my body did, and rightfully so, as it should have. It was protecting me to do that. So I gained weight, I lost muscle tone, um, you know, all of those things. So my body physically looked very different. And for me, that was quite the struggle. Because when I was in my eating disorder, it was um, orthorexia. So I was very, very obsessed with healthy eating and over-exercising was accompanying that for me. So the fact that I couldn't move and I couldn't go get myself food was really, really difficult for me. And watching my body change, it just was this incredible feeling of out of control. And one of the biggest things that keeps people in disordered eating is the feeling of control. You know what you're putting in your body. You know when to get it out. You know, like you have that control and that's why it's so hard to recover because you lose all the rules, you lose all the control and it's terrifying at first. So I immediately was put right back in that fear and right back in that dark place of feeling like garbage about my body. And that's why I dove back into all the resources (laughs) that I had found comforting before. And I was like, you know what? Nope, this is not true. These are not facts. This is conditioning from society and diet culture and the beauty industry. And I don't need to feel this way, but it took a really long time because it brought you right back to, for me, it was, you know, four or five years prior. For someone who's listening to this, who's sitting on their couch or wherever they're listening mm-hmm. and they're feeling that exact same way mm-hmm. that, you know, they lost the control, they, they can't eat healthy or they can't exercise or, and they're not happy with the way their body looks, how would you empower them or maybe some resources they could look at? Yeah. Um, I'll say first thing, your body knows exactly what it needs and it, you are exactly where you're supposed to be and you can trust your body listen and honor your cravings you can know and go forward with the knowledge that 
your body knows exactly what you need at any given time. And you are so much more valuable than the skin bag that you exist in. <laughs> it's true, though. It's absolutely true. Really? Yeah. You know, like, we're all just a bunch of meat sacks with, like, feelings and, you know, jobs. So, <laughs> you know. Um, but, yeah, I would say an awesome resource for me uh, was the book Health at Every Size by Linda Bacon. Um, incredible book. It's, it's like our version of, I guess, what would be a Bible here. Um, <laughs> and then a bunch of different Instagram accounts. I always do a post every once in a while where I like highlight a bunch of people I love following. Um, and, uh, yeah, I would, I would go check them out. And then I've got a bunch of other books here. One that was really awesome was, uh, The Body is Not an Apology by, uh, Sonia Renee Taylor, Sonia Renee Taylor. That's an amazing one. And they also post really incredible videos on Instagram all the time. We'll be sure to put Brooke's uh, Instagram information in the comments below or the description below. And I'm not sure if we can put the books, but yeah. you guys can write them down. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you can tag the people because all the people who have the books have social media yeah, accounts. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. um, tag those people. But uh, yeah, I would say just, you know, know that you're you're worthy exactly as you are. And you don't have to do anything to earn worth and love and respect. You deserve it. With chronic pain, do you find that because it isn't something that you typically wear on the outside of your body, that that's something that you struggle with? And I, I kind of brought this back to another question I asked earlier, but explaining to other people, because that's another thing, you know, you could have a day where you're in a lot of pain, uh, but it doesn't look that way, right? Because no. we as humans do such great jobs of, you know, putting on a front that everything's yeah. fine. But internally, obviously with chronic pain, it can be debilitating. Yes. But absolutely. look different on the outside. Yeah. Oh, totally. And uh, I get I get it all the time. Like, you know, people, you know, they'll say, like, even, like, family members have said, not in my immediate family, obviously, but extended family have been, like, you know, I'll, I'll maybe, like, be grimacing or, like, holding a part of my neck or something at, like, a dinner. And they're like, oh, like, what's going on? Are you okay? And I was like, well, no, it's just my pain. And they're like, from what? And I'm like, well, you know, like, I had my accident, like, you know, a couple weeks oh, that was so long ago. And I'm like, yeah, still hurting, like chronic pain. That's yeah. what it is. And they just don't understand. And then, yeah, there's the whole, like, I'm very good at putting on a face, like and pretending because for me, like, I will not get through it. If I have to be at work on a bad pain day, I will not get through it if I give in to those emotions that are tied to that horrible pain that's dragging me down. I have to pretend. I have to put on the face. And like, yeah, I get a lot of, oh, like, but you were doing so good if I like, you know, because I'm very transparent on social media, I'll do a post about like a terrible pain day. And then I like get a bunch of messages from like clients and friends that day. They're like, oh, I just saw you. I thought you were okay. I had no idea. And I'm like, I'm really never okay. But I'm, you know, because this is a part of me now. You're managing. I'm managing. I'm managing every day. But because that's what my life is. So you're really never okay. But if you always dwelled in the fact as a person living with chronic pain or illness, if you're always dwelling in like, I'm not okay, I'm not okay, I'm not okay, like you wouldn't be able to get out of bed any, any day. I think that's so important to highlight. Like, amen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Preach. Preach. Right? <laughs> There's so many, so many people who are struggling that are like, but I'm not okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. None of us are. No. Yeah. Are we okay? No. I'm in pain right now sitting yeah. here. You but get two options when you find out that you mm -hmm. have something, uh, like a diagnosis of an illness or a sickness or whatever you want to call it. 
one, you can take the high road and you can say, I am going to be bigger than this. This does not define me. I will, you know, make the best of the mm-hmm. situation. Or you can take the route where a lot of, you know, we see a lot of it, mm-hmm. especially on, you know, social media and, and the groups that, because there's people that want to allow that sickness to become them. Yeah. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it happens. And that's why our podcast is here to show you that, like, you know, I've been there <laughs> yeah. where, where, like you said, like, I didn't want to live. I didn't think it was possible to keep going, yeah. but look at us. Yeah. Look at all these stories. Like it sucks. Brooke's suffering right now. I'm sure like <laughs> she looks beautiful and bright smile, rosy cheeks, <laughs> but she's pushing through. And like she said, putting on a face to, to accomplish her dreams, not just to, you know, um, be, but, but to make her life the way she wants to make it. And I think that's the most important part. Yeah, and then acknowledging, too, that wherever you are at with your journey, with your pain or your illness is completely valid. Don't put pressure on yourself to be like, oh, well, I'm not where they are or where she is or or where he is. It's, you know, you are where you are and acknowledge that. And the best thing that you can do for yourself is say, hey, okay, how could I make my life more livable? More happy. More happy, more okay even. Yeah. And what are the things and what are the people that I can reach out to to help me? Because you cannot do it alone. And you don't have to do it alone. So even like like reach out to a stranger. Reach out to me. Hey. <laughs> you know, like whenever. Like message me. Be like, hey, I'm having a terrible day. I'll be like, cool, me too. What's up? <laughs> Let's talk about it. Yeah. You know, um, there's there's people around you. and, and know, But know that you don't have to be anywhere that you're not ready for. And you are exactly where you're supposed to be. I love that so much. So So the last question we have for you, we end all of our podcasts this way, is what does successful mean to you? I would say successful to me looks like building something that I'm proud of and that I can share and empower as many people as possible with and making a real difference. I always knew when I was growing up, no matter what I wanted to do, it sounds so cliche, but really... I, I knew that whatever I was doing, it needed to be about helping people. And uh, so to me, success is just being able to have the widest reach possible to be able to help and empower as many people as possible. I love that so much. Same. So beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> is there anything you want to tell our audience? Is there anything you want to promote or get them to follow or what's going on? Um, yeah, I guess I would say like we're, we're in my gym right now. So if you want to come and hang out or move your body in a judgment-free space but going beyond that into actual practice we accommodate all bodies and all abilities all gender expressions and uh, it is an intentionally safe space for all human beings so if you want to feel accommodated and work with somebody who knows chronic pain and knows what you're dealing with and knows how to accommodate you uh, to move in the best way that you can move for your body um, come here we're at 36 Robin Boulevard, but you can find all the details on my website and through my Instagram page. So mybodywpg. And sorry for all of you who are not in Winnipeg, you're just gonna have to follow Brooke and, and uh, have some fun. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an adventure on social media. I love it because you are so candid and yeah. so transparent. And I love that when people can be that way on social mm-hmm. media. So thank you so much for joining us today, Brooke. Thank you for having me. Thank you. 
Thanks so much for listening. If you like our show and want to know more, follow us on Instagram at sickandsuccessful underscore and join us next week for an all new episode.